right, everybody. Good morning. Welcome to church. Y'all glad to be here? Come on, it's a good Sunday. Hey, if I don't know you, my name's Brandon. I'm one of the pastors around here. I want to welcome all of you watching online. Can y'all help me welcome everybody watching on the internet with us today? Come on, it's a big deal. Yeah, so hey, if you miss a Sunday, I don't encourage that, but if you do, you can catch up online. If you download the church app for your phone, you can catch everything there, everything that's going on, the messages. We just concluded a series called Satisfied, an incredible series helping us learn how to live a satisfied life in the midst of this world we're in and all the craziness that we have. You can catch that series and a lot more on the app as well. Today, if you've got your um, message notes, you can grab those out of your outline. Uh, If you're a digital note taker, those are on the app as well, so I encourage you to get that. I'm so excited that we have the opportunity to be able to take this out to all of you who are on the internet. Here's what I encourage you to use it for. If you miss a Sunday, if you're traveling or sick, but the best thing is to let people know they can watch before they come. When you invite people to church, they don't know what to anticipate on the other side of those doors, right? So this is a great way to say, hey, just check it out online. You can see it beforehand. Just know there's nothing like experiencing uh, Cultivate Church in person, but it's a great tool and a great resource. As a matter of fact, if you're interested in being a part of helping do that, some of you are not techno savvy, that's cool, you don't have to be, but if you have any interest in helping us take the message of Jesus out of these walls, you can be here today uh, at 2 o'clock, we're going to meet together about that. So write it down, share it with somebody, pack a lunch, and come hang out with us, all right? Hey, grab your note sheet, I'm excited about today's message, it's a standalone message, just simply meaning we're not connected to a series. Next week... We begin a brand new series called Encounter, and the entire heart of the series is to help us encounter the presence of God. How do we get closer to God? That's the whole goal, right, is that all of us would be living a life that would draw us closer to the presence of God. So we're going to talk about all the ways in which God has given us to get a little bit closer to who he is. But today, I just want to share my heart with us today about the heart of Cultivate Church. We get an opportunity once in a while uh, just to share a simple standard alone message not connected to a series and I've chosen today just to talk about the heart of our church because here's the reality is that there's a lot of different churches a lot of different places that we could be a part of and a lot of different things but when we come together collectively as the church God has called us to do something God's called us to stand for something God has called us to to come in here and not just absorb and not just to get but God's called us to give and so for 10 years through the heart of our church We've always had the idea and the heart to keep the main thing the main thing, and that it always be about Jesus, and that it always be about life change that happens in Jesus. And so today, I want to share a story with you about Jesus going to a dinner. Uh, Jesus goes to a dinner, and it gets really awkward. As a matter of fact, I titled your message, A Disruptive dinner at the top of your outline. Have you ever been to a dinner that just went sideways, a disruptive dinner, just didn't go right? You prepared, you planned, you did all the things. I remember after church when I was a kid, every Sunday we would go eat at my, uh, my aunt's house because she took me to church as a kid. And I'll never forget one Sunday she was at, at, at we'll just say a, a challenging mood, okay? And she had burned something and her son said, well, you, you burned the bread, didn't you? And listen, she didn't say a word. She grabbed that pan. She opened the back door. She threw that pan of bread out in the backyard, came in, slammed the pan back in the oven. There was not a word spoken. It got awkward really quick. Uh, If you've been around here for uh, any length of time, I've shared about my dad uh, and my dad's old Charlie's dinner story. Have you ever heard that before? Some of you haven't. 
many years ago, as a matter of fact, the first night uh, that Pastor Danielle and Pastor Brandon ever met my parents, and we went to Old Charlie's for dinner. You ever been to Old Charlie's? You, see, you, know, you can see in the kitchen, there's glass. You can see through the glass into the kitchen. We had really bad service at this particular Old Charlie's, and my dad requested that the manager come and talk to him, and the manager refused. You do not refuse my dad. Bad, bad, bad decision. So she wouldn't come out there. So my dad said, excuse me, I'll be right back. And my, does that, my dad decided to go to her. And so we turned around, looked in the glass into the kitchen, and there's my dad having what we'll just call a conversation with the manager at Old Charlie's. Dinner got real awkward really fast. When we moved out here, uh, we had our family and the Doss family all living in one house. Kind of weird, right? Our neighbors across the street, the Dykus family, who are part of our church today, thought we were drug dealers. True story, because uh, there's two families mixed in one house. Some of you have heard the story. The reason we were in one house is because we were moving here to plant the church, and there were no houses available. It was 2011. Tornadoes had come from Tuscaloosa all the way through Coleman County, and so all the people had been placed in homes for a place to live, but we found a house that could house two families, and we decided to move to the city to get started. And so we would invite people over for dinner. Come eat dinner with us and hear about Cultivate Church. We'll bribe you with dinner to come hear about Cultivate Church. And so we had a family over one night, and we're all at the table in the dining room, and we happen to notice that all across the house are family photos of each of our families, all on the walls. And we realized it looks like they're having dinner at a cult. Like they don't know what kind of situation this is. It got awkward really quick. We planted the church and we were still poor because we'd saved up six months to live to plant the church and a family of about like 10 people, uh, like 15 kids, you know, 10 people, 15 kids. They had invited us over for dinner and, uh, and said, hey, we would love to have you over for dinner. And we were poor. We said, that'd be great, you know, <laughs> free food. They said, well, good deal. They said, you guys just bring the main course and we'll provide the dessert. <laughs> True story. We were excited to be invited for free food, yet we were invited and asked to bring the food to the house. So you know what we brought? Spaghetti. <laughs> you know why? Because you can stretch some spaghetti. You talk about an awkward dinner, man. We were just mad about that spaghetti the whole time we ate it, watching that little plate of pound cake and cookies they brought from Walmart. You know what I'm saying? Some awkward dinners. Today, I want to take you through an awkward dinner, a disruptive dinner that Jesus had. Jesus is invited to have dinner with some, what we call in the South, I'm from Bradford, Alabama, with some highfalutin people. You ever heard that before? Jesus is in there with some really important religious people. They've invited him over for this really fancy uh, dinner. And the dinner does not go the way the people think it's going to go. Because when Jesus shows up, it doesn't always go the way you think it's going to go. And so what I want to talk about today is the place in which Jesus has at the table. I want to talk about the place that we have and the place of people. I want to talk about the seating arrangement that we're given today and what it means for us as a church. Because here's what we need a reminder of why we're here. Some of us start things and we don't even know why we started it. Some of you are married for a long time. There's days you roll over and you look at your spouse and go, I don't know why we did this, right? <laughs> you have to have a reminder. Some of you got kids running around, grandkids, and you prayed for them, you wanted them, and then you look at them and go, why did we do this, okay? Like we just sometimes, we need a reminder of why we're here. And I think sometimes to stay the course and keep the main thing, the main thing in the house of God, that sometimes we just need a reminder of, of why we're here. 
why we started this race to begin with. Why does Cultivate Church exist? And let me tell you, we're not talking about a logo or a place or a building. We're talking about a people, and that's us. We're the people, Cultivate Church, collectively living life on purpose. So let's pray, and then we're going to talk through this disruptive dinner. So Father, I love you. Thank you for this day. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for speaking to us. Thank you for having patience with us, God. I pray that today your word changes us. God, open our ears that we hear what you have to say. Not my words, but let's hear you today. God, I pray that you open our mind, that we understand it. God, not through our own intellect, but let the Holy Spirit begin to teach us and open our heart that we retain this. Your word says that we wouldn't just be hearers of the word, but we would be doers. So God, let us carry it out of here, doing what you've called us to do. In Jesus' name, amen. So a disruptive dinner. Let's talk about the seating arrangement. Number one, you need to write this down. Let's talk about his place. His place. Let's talk about Jesus' place at this table. Jesus' position at the table. At this dinner, it says, one Sabbath, as he was in the home of a member of the Jewish council, the Pharisees were watching him like hawks. Our Jesus is in there with the, all the real uh, important people. And they're watching him like a hawk to see if he would heal a man who was present, who was suffering from dropsy. Jesus said to the Pharisees and legal experts standing around, the lawyers in the room, well, is it within the law to heal a man on the Sabbath day or not? And when they refused to answer, Jesus took the sick man by the hand and healed him and sent him away. Now, what does that mean? It means Jesus has been set up at this dinner. Jesus has been lured into this dinner. Jesus was not invited to this dinner because he was Jesus. Jesus was not invited to this dinner because they wanted to be in his presence, because they wanted to learn from him, because they wanted to grow from being around Jesus. They set Jesus up because they said, we're going to get Jesus in this room, we're going to present a need in front of him, and we're going to see what happens. Now, the Bible says that it's the Sabbath day in which they're having this dinner. The Sabbath was a day of rest, and in their custom, you did nothing on the day of rest. Now, the principle of rest, we should have a Sabbath. The principle is that you and I should rest. God created, and he rested. But, you know, you rest when you need to rest. But this time, it was a specific day that everybody drops everything. And so the the issue was that the sick man, will Jesus heal the man or would Jesus leave him alone because it's the Sabbath day? So they all sat back and just watched. Let's see what happens. What's he going to do? And Jesus already knew what was going on. That's why Jesus stepped up and said, okay, you, uh, you guys are real smart. You're the lawyers. You got the law degrees. You all are important. You have a lot of wisdom. What do you say needs to happen? See, the man with dropsy was meant that the man had some irregular swelling to his body. He had massive swelling. They did not know what was wrong with him. So they throw him to the wolves, to Jesus. Jesus gets no response. You know what Jesus does? Jesus does what he always do. Does when there is a need, Jesus meets the need. See, Jesus said, I don't care what day of the week it is. I don't care what the circumstances are. Because when Jesus shows up, things begin to change. You see, the principle is, is that when Jesus is in your presence, you cannot stay the same. When there is a need, Jesus is there to meet it. When Jesus is in the room, you cannot be who you once were after an encounter with Jesus. See, here's what I want us to understand. In this house, the position and the place of Jesus at this table 
that we gather together is always at the seat of honor. You see, Jesus doesn't need to come in this room and thus need to be around the presence of Jesus and not interact with it or receive from it. You see, many of us will stand around and look at Jesus and go, well, he's here. I wonder what he's going to do for somebody else today. I wonder what weird's going to happen. I wonder what, no. We go, hey, the son of God, the miracle worker, he's in the room. And all I've got to do is lean into the presence of God because all the power, all the potential, and all the possibility is right here in this room today. Because when Jesus shows up, things begin to change. So I want to ask you this question. Where is the position of Jesus at your table? Some of us are missing everything Jesus has because we haven't provided a place for him at our own personal table. Collectively in this house, let me tell you, Jesus will always be and always has been the main thing. It's never been about us. It's never been about a building. It's never been about a street corner. It is always about Jesus. And I don't want us to gather around him in this place and just wonder and just watch. Let's watch and let's participate in the presence and the power of Jesus. That's what this place is about. Uh, my friend Stephen Bush is here. He's in the, he's in the back. And uh, I've had the privilege of hanging out with Stephen over the past few months and getting to know his story. If you were here at the C-Team dinner, I shared a little bit of his story. Uh, Stephen found our church through Brother Brian. Brother Brian's a recovery center uh, downtown Birmingham for men. And, and we, we many of our men, come on, we got any Brother Brian in here today? Come on, where are you guys at? Y'all make some noise. Come on, y'all be loud for us. Come on. See, we, we love... We love our Brother Brian family because let me tell you, we're seeing Jesus change lives. And Stephen showed up from Brother Brian, and, and I got to know Stephen's story. Stephen said, I was an addict for 16 years of my life. He had 27 charges across three counties and six different cities. Everybody was after Stephen, and not because he was famous, but because he was in trouble. He lived his whole life that way, addicted to all kinds of different things. I said, well, Stephen, did, did nothing change your life? He said, well, you know, he said, he said in total of all my years living in addiction, he said, I died eight times. I said, well, eight times? He said, yeah, one day I woke up in a body bag. Now, imagine being the emergency worker that day. You know what I mean? Hey, y'all ain't going to believe what happened today. I zipped the bag. It started moving. I unzipped it. He got out of it. Like, that's a weird day. I said, that didn't change you? He said, no, that didn't change me. I said, you mean to tell me you, because he told me first about the body bag story. I said, you died and that didn't change? You were in a body bag? He said, no, died seven more times after that. It's okay. He said, I've been to rehab. He said, I had to pay a lot of money. I lost a lot of family, lost a lot of relationships. He said, none of that changed me. I said, Stephen, what changed you? He said, Jesus. 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 And let me tell you what, this house this dinner, this table, let me tell you, Stephen and all of his friends has a seat at this table. You know why? Because if he can get to this table, Jesus changes things when we show up at this table. The problem is our perspective, even in the church, is we have a religious Jesus. Anybody know religious Jesus? Oh, I know those Bible stories. I went when I was a kid. I prayed a prayer one time. Yeah, I did vacation Bible school when I was little. It was great. Those cheese puffs, y'all still do cheese puffs in church? Yeah, we had those, right? So we have this religious Jesus that if we feel like if we know who he is and we know the story, then, then we're good. We're, we're there. We, we, we've done what we need to do. But then most of us take another step, and this is our favorite Jesus, is Savior Jesus, right? That's get out of hell free card Jesus. That's like I don't want to go to hell. I don't really want to live to be a Christian, and I don't, but, I, but I, like, I need a Savior because I don't want to spend eternity in hell. Which, by the way, 2022 church, there is a hell. 
There is a heaven and there is a hell. It is a separation and it is from all eternity. I don't care what the latest preacher on TV, book writer, social media expert says, talking about Jesus. Hell exists. How do I know? Because the Bible tells me. The B-I-B-L-E, that's the book for me. I stand alone on the word of God. The B-I-B-L-E. All right. That's who we are. All right. So here's what I know. I know that eternity is dependent on Jesus' presence at the table. So I can't just have Savior Jesus in my life so that my desire is to say, I've prayed a prayer and now I'm on my way to heaven. No, what we really need is Lord Jesus. And Lord Jesus says, it's not my responsibility to ask God to conform to me and him do what I need him to do and me to pick the scriptures that I like and dismiss the scriptures that I don't think applies to all of our culture and all of our trends and all of our thoughts. No, my responsibility is to conform to him so that he changes my life. That's what Lord Jesus means. And let me just, be, let me just help you. Here's my responsibility as a pastor as a follower of Jesus, here's the responsibility, is that we all know that. We have full churches, but we have a lot of people that are not going to make it to heaven. Now, that's not me. Let me tell you how I know that. Because the Bible says, wide is the road that leads to destruction, but very narrow is the path that leads us to heaven. So here's what I know, is that there are many of us that we like a religious Jesus, and we like a Savior Jesus, but we struggle with the Lord Jesus. And so what I'm asking us to do in this house, at this table, is to always put Jesus at the place of honor. And it's always to remember that it's about Jesus. And it's about what Jesus can do. And it's about what Jesus wants to do. And that it's our responsibility to steward well what he's given us and us to lay our life down as a Christ follower and follow after him doing what he's asked us to do. And because of that, Jesus said, I'll give you life and I'll give you life more abundantly. We call it life on purpose. It's his place. This, he's at the head of the table in this house. Number two, write this down, our place. So where do we sit? That's where most of us want to know. Where do I sit? Where's my place? Notice what Jesus did. When Jesus noticed that all who come to dinner were trying to sit at the seats of honor. I love this, that Jesus noticed. It means Jesus was people watching. We got any people watchers in here? Man, if I could make a living people watching, I'd be the best. People are so weird. I mean, it's just fun. Man, we are a unique creation. Jesus is a people watcher. He's just sitting around. You know, he's already made it awkward because he already healed somebody. Nobody knows what to do, what to say. You know, it's like somebody's got the wrong china out, you know, at the table. Like, they don't know. So Jesus is just watching everybody now. And he noticed that these people are trying to sit in the seats of honor near the head of the table. And he gave them this advice. I love that. Jesus, hey, you know, who am I to say anything? But just want to give you guys a little advice. When you're invited to a wedding feast, don't sit in the seat of honor. What if someone who is more distinguished than you has also been invited? Instead, take the lowest place at the foot of the table. Then when your host sees you, he may come and say, friend, we have a better place for you. Then you will be honored in front of all the other guests. Where's our place at this table? Where's your place at this table? Let me tell you where your place is at this table. It's at the very last bottom, least important seat. Every one of us in this room. Where's my place at the table? It's at the very bottom, at the very last important seat. Why? Because I can guarantee you somebody more important than you 
and somebody more important than me is going to show up to this table today. How do I know? Because it happens every single week. Who are, who, 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 who are we talking about? We're talking about people that don't know Jesus. You see, I understand that my life is to be given away. You ever noticed at Cultivate Church, there's no pastor parking signs? You ever notice that? We don't have a sign parking. We, we don't have that. I pull up to a church and I see pastor parking. I just want to go have a conversation with the pastor. Not my place. Not your place, man. Keep going. I just don't. Because I don't need a place at the front. I need to be serving. I don't need to be served. Hear me today. I don't need you to call me anything special. I don't need any be propped up on anything. I don't need, I, I don't, I don't need my portrait on the wall out in the lobby. You know what I'm talking about? Y'all ever been in those places? Picture me and Brandon Doss. I don't need it. You know why we don't need it? Because I know where my place is. The difference is when we don't know why we exist, why we were invited to this party to begin with, why we hosted this event, why we provided this table. See, there's things that are happening around here all the time. The life change that takes place, it's because people know their place. Those worship guides that's in your hands, you guys are getting your notes out of today, and some of you are guests today, and that made you feel better because you had something to kind of look at and ignore all the other, like, I don't know, don't talk to me. You know what I'm saying? I've been there, I'm with you, I got you, I know, it's fine. Do you have those because, you know, I mentioned when we moved in the city, the people across the street thought we were drug dealers. Well, they eventually learned we weren't, we loved Jesus, and they got saved, and they've been a part of our church for 10 years. And her name is Randy Dykus, and every Friday she shows up here in this back office, and she cuts on some music, has a little party, and she stuffs every one of those worship gods every single week, hundreds of them for both of our campuses. That's why we have those every week. You'd never know it, but she knows her seat at the table. Brother Brian, man, you guys, I love you guys. You got here today because Danny, wherever Danny is, Danny drove that van all the way, he is back there. Danny drove that van all the way downtown, picked you guys up, drove you all the way to church, had church. He'll drive all the way back town, and then he'll come all the way back home. And by the time he gets back, some of us will have already just obliterated the buffet. You know what I'm talking about? We've already been through it, made it, you're ready for your afternoon nap. And he's just rolling in. You know why? Because he knows his place. He knows his seat at the table. He knows it makes a difference. There's things that happen all around this place. There's been people here early, all day long, serving in every different position and place, making it happen, things seen and unseen. Why? Because they know their place at the table for life change to take place in the lives of others. Let me tell you this. You may have showed up here today for the first time. You may be a, a guest in this house today. You're the reason that we brought this table today. You're the reason that we provided this atmosphere in this room. You are who we have been thinking about because you are the guest that may show up more important than us. We're glad you're at Cultivate Church today. You may hear it said other places, and I pray it's meant. Look, let me, let me just tell you this. You may be in here today and you go, as quick as I can get out of here, I'm never coming back. This is not my vibe. This is not my flow. That's okay. Let me tell you. There's great churches all across Shelby County. I'll personally help you find one. But I want you to know in this house, we knew we weren't the most important. And we provided this day for you. That's the difference. That's who Cultivate Church is. It's living life on purpose. A couple of weeks ago, I spoke for a pastor in Gaston. About three weeks ago, his wife has cancer. And they're providing some Sundays for him off. And so I went to speak for them. And I had a great experience. It was a great church. Worship was great. A great environment. People were friendly. It was, it was great. Nothing wrong with that day. 
But there was a stark difference that I noticed immediately between walking into that church and what I experience here in our church. And I'm not saying this because this is me, because I'm not the one doing it. You're the one doing it. You serve it every week. You provide that atmosphere. I'm bragging on all of you who serve so well on our teams. And let me tell you the, the, the difference. Here's what was missing here, although it was good. It was welcoming. It was all great. And the difference than what I ex- experience here. This is done intentionally. This is done with purpose. Meaning every person serving on our team. See, team, listen to me. You show up every Sunday and you think, who can we serve today? Who can we make a difference in the life today? When I grew up in church, we had things called spaghetti dinners. Anybody have a spaghetti dinner? I need ladies, need you to make some spaghetti. Buy all the supplies, make the spaghetti. Bring the spaghetti, we're gonna sell the spaghetti to each other, and then we're gonna try to be a blessing to the community, okay? And next Saturday, we're gonna have a yard sale. So bring all of your junk, we're gonna sell your junk to people in our community who really don't need the junk, but they're gonna give us money, and then we're gonna use that money, and then we're gonna be a blessing to those people. So we're gonna take their peop- those people, we're gonna take their money, and then we're gonna be a blessing to them. That's how we rolled in the church. You know what, we've never had a spaghetti dinner, We've never had a yard sale. We've never done anything where we expected the community to bless the church so that we could be a blessing to the community. You know why? Because it's done with purpose. Because it's done with intention. We know our place. We know his place. We know ours. And then number three, write this down. Their place. Who's their place? These are people who have yet to experience life change in Jesus. Then he turned to his host, Jesus does, and says, when you put a luncheon or a banquet. Don't invite your friends, your brothers, your relatives, or your rich neighbors. They'll invite you back, and that will be your only reward. You ever heard of my four and no more? You ever heard that? I say, that's not what we're doing here. Instead, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind. Then at the resurrection of the righteous, God will reward you for inviting those who could not repay you. You know who I'm concerned about? Their seat. I'm concerned about the people that don't know Jesus. I'm concerned about the people today that you're praying for, that you're begging God for something to happen in their life, for them to overcome addiction, for their life to be restored, for them to know they have worth, for them to know they have value, for them to overcome whatever stress, problem, worry that they have in their life. That's the people that I'm leaning into. Jesus says that's the people that you invite to the table. That's the people that you, it's the the unlikely people, right? It's the people that you thought, well, I never would have seen them in church. It's the people that were unprepared for it. We didn't know. We didn't even know we needed a Savior. It's It's all the moments that somebody walks in these doors every week and we've prepared a place for them because we know that a family member has prayed for them. That's why we do specific things that we do around here. You ever come to church early, you'll notice uh, the, the music that's playing in the auditoriums. Somebody said, hey, I think that was, I just heard that in my car. Why is that playing in the church? And I'm like, well, if you don't like it in the church, why is it on in your car? <laughs> okay, but that's another story. That's, we'll talk about that later. We'll talk about that one later. It's cool. It's cool. But you know, in the church world, we really anticipate people just to conform to our culture, don't we? You ever been to a church and you ever notice there's a lot of purple in churches, a lot of flowers in churches, a lot of floral smells in churches. You ever notice that? I don't know many men walk up in a church and went, honey, we're home. <laughs> it's like, this, like, 
do they even want us to be here? Because we didn't think about somebody outside of the church. See, we think about the fact that you walk in here and you don't love praise and worship music. That's why we don't sing praise and worship music for 45 minutes. Somebody said, well, I just want to sing and do that some more. Let's just play it again. I just want to, well, that's cool. I do too, because I like it. But do you know that the people that you've prayed and begged God to change their life, they don't like it. They don't even know what we're talking about. So we're not going to sing it for an hour. Now, you can come to the night of worship. We're going to have fun. You can do, you know, you cut your shoes off and go. It, you know, that's, that's what I'm saying. That's all right. Why does it say in our worship guide, hey, we'll begin on time and we'll end on time? And why do we tell you that it's 60 minutes? Well, somebody said, well, pastor, you're taking the Holy Spirit out. What if he wants to go an hour and five minutes? Well, you know what I believe? I believe you look at everything God's done. He was a pretty organized guy. You know, we got seasons. We got time in a day. We got years. He was pretty organized. I think he's okay. I don't think we've, I don't think we've limited God. But you know what we did? Is we told somebody that does not like church and did not want to walk in these doors, but you prayed so hard that they gave it one chance one hour, you can do it. One hour won't kill you. They'll say, well, yeah, I can do an hour. And then when we say, we'll begin on time, they'll say, well, we'll see about that. Hey, they, they did. We'll end on time. They don't, that preacher don't never. He's going to end five times before it's done, right? <laughs> Come on. But then they go, wait a second. There's still two minutes left. Yeah, we are out on time. You know what they did? You know what that church did? That church kept their word from the beginning. And you know what they'll say? That wasn't so bad. Maybe I can do that again next week. It's the greatest compliment we could ever be given as a church. That wasn't so bad. Maybe we can do that again next week. Because it's done because they have a place. We've provided that place. I left out of here at 9 o'clock and a girl come up to me. She said, Pastor, thank you. She said, my brother who's an atheist is this close to coming to church. And she said, thank you for beginning on time. Thank you for ending on time. Thank you that I can tell him it'll be one hour. He said he could do that. You think about their place. I love my church. I love the presence of God. And I love to celebrate who he is. But you know what I love more than anything? I love seeing his sons and daughters return to their father. Because I know that's the greatest desire of his heart. This place for 10 years has always had God in the seat of honor. We have always been a people who knew our positions was not at the head of the table, but it was always to serve those that didn't know him. And for 10 years, we've always thought about your friends and your family and their place at the table. And for the rest of the existence until Jesus comes back, we will always be that place. The main thing has and always will be the main thing. And so today what I'm asking us is what is your place at the table? Where is Jesus sitting in your life today? Where have you placed him? Have you took a step back and said, you know what? I've been thinking about everything for me, but I want to choose to put other people in their proper place so that my life would be lived on purpose so that we can make a difference. That's living life on purpose, and that's who we are. May we always be one big disruptive dinner where Jesus is changing things up, shaking it up, and changing lives. Can I pray for us today? I want our band to come back.
They're going to play quietly and nobody's going to ask you to move or do anything. We're not going to do anything funny or weird. If you're watching online, right where you are, if you can just limit distraction, I want us to have a moment where we can pray together. Here's what I want to pray for. Maybe you're in this house today and you don't have a relationship with Jesus. You're watching online. You don't have a relationship with Jesus. This is our chance. This is our moment. No excuses. There's nothing, nothing you could bring to God that's bigger than him. So there's no excuse that will matter. Just say yes to Jesus today. I want to pray for you that you can do that. Some of us may be maybe just convicted today by where we've placed Jesus in our life. Maybe we like to be around him, but we're just watching as like bystanders. And we want to engage with who he is. Maybe some of us are here today and we just forgot our place. We've just, we just thought everything was about us. And today we've just been reminded that our seat's at the end of the table. And maybe you've been inspired today to say, God, help me to provide a place for other people to make a difference. So wherever God has spoke to you today, I just pray that you lean into that. Ask the Lord to help you. Some of you are discouraged. Some of you are going through rough seasons. But it's just that. It's a season. I know it doesn't make it easier, but it's a season. And seasons change. There's lessons to be learned. God's building us and he's making us better. Because everything God does inside of us, he'll do through us for people that are around us. So learn the lessons. Embrace it. Go the distance. And allow God to use you like you've never dreamed. That's why we exist. That's life on purpose. So Father, today for all my friends in this room watching online right now, may there be one person that needs to say yes to you. So we just say, forgive us of our sin. We choose to put you first. We need you. We know you're the answer. So we confess our sin. We receive your forgiveness. And God, I pray for all of my friends in this room that maybe just in a place of some change today, they need to rearrange, reorganize some things in their life. May we put you in your proper place. Jesus, may we know ours. Help us to stay in our seat where we belong and help us to provide room for other people so that heaven gets bigger. Thank you for using us to be a part of it. You'll get all the credit for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, church. Let's honor Jesus together. Can we do that?